Welcome to the Wittenberg Hour. Martin Luther said, God is moved to wrath if we stop praying, for thus his command is ignored. Let us therefore pray boldly and confidently, for if what we ask for is not given, something better will be given, because prayer cannot be in vain. As James says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Hello and welcome to the Wittenberg Hour, where we explore big questions and discuss that which endures by means of that which has endured that scholars may endure. My name is Jocelyn Benson, and I serve as head teacher of Wittenberg Academy. Why does God command Christians to pray? How should we pray? The title of this episode comes from the statement right before the Lord's Prayer in Compline. Taught by our Lord and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Luther echoes this language in the introduction to the Lord's Prayer when he speaks of asking with all boldness and confidence. As the 2020-21 academic year commences today at Wittenberg Academy, we want to take a look at prayer, one of the many habits that we desire for ourselves, our scholars, and their families. Joining us today on the Wittenberg Hour is Wittenberg Academy's chaplain, Pastor Larry Bean. Pastor Bean, thank you for joining us today on the Wittenberg Hour. Thank you. It's great to be back. Pastor Bean, Jesus says in Matthew 6, when you pray, multiple times. What does this tell us on a very basic level about how Christians should view prayer? Yeah, this is very important. Um, in fact, um, in, in Matthew 6, in, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, there are three sort of imperatives that Jesus lays out. He says, uh, when you give to the needy, and he actually repeats it in verses 2 and 3. And then he says, when you pray, and he says it three times uh, in verses 5, 6, and 7. And then the third one is, when you fast, and he says that one twice in verses 16 and 17. So you have these three imperatives, and the one in the middle is the most important one in, uh, in a classical literary structure. It's called a chiasm. So the one in the middle is when you pray, and he actually says when you pray three times, where he says when you give to the needy and when you fast twice. So I think that just looking at the structure, um, you, you see the importance of prayer. It's, it's literally central in the life of the Christian and how to live out the life. And it's an imperative, Jesus says, when you pray, it's imperative, you know, not to earn our salvation, but because of our salvation. So prayer is kind of oxygen for the soul. And um, one of the ways I kind of like to think about this is it's communication, because the Lord speaks to us through his word, and we speak back to him through prayer. And there's this expression, I don't really like it because I, I, I don't like the, the, the specific words, but there's a kernel of truth in it. You ever hear people say, um, Christianity is a relationship, not a religion? Um, yeah. And yeah. And, and so, you know, I, I quibble with the way that that's said, uh, mainly because um, two things, the word religion shouldn't be a, a, a negative. I mean, James right. uses the word religion in, in the first chapter of his epistle. And also um, the word relationship just is a very flabby word. And it, 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 it kind of connotes in our modern day uh, parlance a, uh, 
like a male female r- romantic relationship and so people sometimes they that when they pr- when they pray or when they speak about god it's almost like the you know the creepy jesus boyfriend kind of thing right. so so right. instead of instead of relationship i prefer the word communion we have communion with god and you can even hear the word communication in the word communion they come from the same root so in order to have this quote relationship with God or in order to have a communion with God, you have to communicate. And, you know, even in our human relationships, when people are estranged, it might be a brother and sister that no longer speak to each other, or even husbands and wives, they fall uh, apart from each other. The first thing that happens is there's no communication. So this is a very bad thing to lose communication with God it can sneak up on people. They just fall out of the habit of praying or they don't, they become too busy to hear the word. And that loss of communication leads to an estrangement. So I think, I think prayer, you know, Jesus emphasizes the when, the imperative part of it, because it's absolutely crucial to being a Christian, to have this communication, this communion with God. Otherwise you're estranged or even the word excommunicated means, you know, to fall away from communication with God. So uh, the, the prayer is, is, is an absolutely necessary part of the Christian faith and life. So on some level, the disciples, when they were listening to Jesus, they must have picked up on that. Jesus is telling us to pray. And so then they asked, well, so how do we pray? And when the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, he gave them the Lord's Prayer. You know, he said, when you pray pray in this way, if we follow Luther's daily prayers, and, and maybe we'll get into that later, we would say the Lord's Prayer as many as eight times a day. And that doesn't even include the prayer offices. <laughs> why why do and and why should Christians regard so highly the Lord's Prayer. Well, as you point out, the, the Lord's Prayer was in response to a question. You see it especially in Luke, um, in Luke, in chapter 11. The disciples, they want to pray, but they don't know how to do it. They said, hey, you know, John was teaching his disciples how to pray. Um, how, how do we do this? And Jesus says very simply, when you pray, say, and he teaches them the Lord's Prayer in, in Luke. That's the, the Lucan account of, of the Lord's Prayer. And in, in Matthew, we, you do see something very similar. It's in the context of the Sermon on the Mount. And so Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and then he uses a similar language. He says, um, pray then like this. You know, when you pray, pray like this. And, and so the, the importance of the Lord's Prayer, I think, is built into the name. It's the Lord's Prayer. A few years ago, there was this big fad among some Christians to pray the prayer of Jabez, you know, this obscure prayer right. out of the Old Testament. It was supposed to make you powerful and rich and all that. Right. But, uh, you know, this is the Lord's Prayer. When we refer to Jesus as Lord, we're, what we're doing, we're saying he's Yahweh, he's God, he is uh, we're emphasizing his divine nature. So this is God himself teaching us how to pray. And that puts the Lord's prayer in a, in its own category. It's, it's his prayer. It's, it has his blessing. It has his teaching and it has his command. He literally tells us to pray like this. 
And and so I think you know when we when we look at Luther's uh, small catechism, his analysis of the the prayers, invocation, and and conclusion, and then the seven petitions. I think that those simple parts of, of the catechism are, are are wonderfully profound. I think we we err when we, if we kind of dismiss them because because it's just the small catechism. I think um, Luther distills it down uh, brilliantly in such a way that I think you can never exhaust the the treasure of going through um, the small catechism and, and, and Luther's analysis of the Lord's Prayer. It, it shows us why it really is the perfect prayer. And uh, you, you can't do any better than praying the Lord's Prayer. And the church has recognized this throughout the ages um, because of it, you know, as prayer offices developed, as customs developed. Th- this is universal. Um, the Eastern Church, the Western Church, um, the church all throughout the ages, um, Christians of every denomination, we see the importance of the Lord's Prayer as a, as a centerpiece of the prayer life of a Christian. Now, you mentioned just now the, the simplicity um, and yet the treasure of the catechism. And I've, I've heard before that instead of looking at the catechism as a textbook, which uh, sadly is is how we generally regard the catechism, that we should view it as a prayer book. Can you speak to that at all? Yeah, I think that's um, I think it's a that's a good way to put it. Our Lutheran confessions are confessions, so they can be prayed. the The word confession, the word confess, means to say the same thing. So in our confessions, which the, the small catechism is a part of our confessions, it, it gives us the opportunity to speak back to God what he has first said to us. And so that speaking back to God is actually prayer. And so when we pray the small catechism, I don't mean read it in a catechetical way. There's nothing wrong with certainly doing that. It is instruction. Right. But it is instruction that we can actually meditate on in a in a devotional prayerful way and pray it back to god pastor will whedon um has um it's he has a blog that he has run for many many years and um i wish i knew the 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 link to it but he has some great resources for praying the catechism and he was uh he is a an enthusiastic um uh proponent of of praying the small catechism in particular and devotionally. And it, it really becomes a reflection upon God's word because the catechism is, is built upon the word of God. And so we, we incorporate God's word into our prayers, ponder them, meditate them, apply them to ourselves, and then pray them back to the Lord. It's, it's a, um, it is a, a magnificent way to pray, especially for people who are uh, kind of looking for uh, a way to become more prayerful in their Christian life. Use the catechism in a prayerful way. And I would uh, direct you to Pastor Will Whedon for more advice on how to do that. And I know that Pastor Peter Bender at the Concordia Catechetical Academy, um, he also um, speaks similarly in terms of the catechism being a, a, a prayer book. So you had mentioned that for folks perhaps looking to in, enhance or even get into a, a prayer life, the habit of prayer, 
that the catechism would be a, a good place to start. So also, you know, the Lord's Prayer is a scripted prayer. It's a prayer we've been given that has been prayed for millennia. The colics of the week, for example, in the divine service also represent historic prayers that have been prayed for generations. Why do we have scripted prayers? Thinking of the colics of the week, for example, why don't pastors just make up whatever they want each week? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, we, they're called collects because they, they collect the prayers of the faithful. And in the divine service, uh, it's sort of a, a central prayer that, that uh, collects the thoughts and themes of the scripture readings of the day. And then the pastor prays it on behalf of everybody. And so the those collects, um, they're very ancient. I mean, we don't even really know who wrote them. Uh, they're, they're like, they've been distilled across the centuries, the best of the best prayers of the church, and they've stood the, the test of time. So because of their um, universal and timely nature, uh, we continue to pray them. And uh, it's sort of like, no, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. And, and so, and if you think about it, uh, hymns are kind of the same thing. Hymns are prayers, uh, yeah. but we don't, you know, expect the 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 organist or the pastor or somebody in the congregation to spontaneously make up a hymn on the on the fly and and then sing it and then expect everybody to sing it along with them you know it's um, instead we we have these hymns that have been prayed and sung and appreciated by Christians across the centuries, and we, we continue to use them. So, and, and, and the, the idea of having a, a collect, it, the prayer is brief, the prayer is timely, and, and, it, and it cuts right to the heart of the scripture readings for that particular week. Um, that's important, in a, in especially in a public corporate setting, uh, because if the pastor is just sort of up there, you know, trying to make it up on the fly, um, it's it's going to be disjointed. It'll probably be disjointed. It, it, you know, he, he certainly isn't going to improve upon what we've been praying. I mean, some of these collects go all the way back to the days of Gregory the Great. So they're, they really reach back into antiquity. And um, so, you know, the, and, and, and again, the, the, the spontaneous prayers, uh, there's certainly a time and a place for that. But in the public liturgy, um, that's really, uh, I think the, the collect is, is really a, a much better use of, of our liturgical space and time. Because again, if it, 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 the, the pastor is up there just sort of reflecting on the, the scripture while he's, while he's also thinking about, okay, I got to make sure there's enough wine and I have to make sure that I turn the, you know, there, there's a certain mechanical part of leading worship. And then on top of that, to have to spontaneously lead a meditation um, it would it would tend to yammer on and on and 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 he would lose his train of thought. I, I come from a tradition. I, I I'm a convert to Lutheranism. I came from a tradition that did not have scripted prayers, as you say. So we uh, our our prayers were always had to be spontaneous, and uh, the pastor's prayers were spontaneous. And sometimes they came across a little bit ingenuous or um, forced. There's this um, there's this movie called Southern Bells. It came out like in the 90s. It's this little indie movie. It's this obscure kind of comedy that I ran across and it's hilarious. It's, it's a silly movie about these two girls that uh, 
they live in a trailer park in Georgia and, you know, they're trying to sort of, you know, get out of the small town kind of, that's the theme of the movie. But there, there's a scene, it's a great scene. I wish it were on YouTube where one of their friends who's a Christian comes over and they have a meal together and she, you know, she says grace before the meal. And it's just this, it's, it's a great parody of this kind of prayer when you don't have any guidance. It just goes on and on and everybody's hungry and everybody's just kind of, when is this thing going to end? And the poor lady, you know, she's very pious and she wants to give a good prayer and she's, Lord, we just thank you for the good weather, Lord. And, you know, and yeah, the, 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 and, and she just doesn't know what to say. And she just sort of goes on and on and there's no terminus to it. you know. And uh, so um, our, our, our collects sort of guard against that kind of um, uh, sense of that where spontaneity can spin out of control, especially in the divine service where there is more structure. So what would you say to someone who might be skeptical of, of scripted prayers, who prefers extemporaneous prayers? You had mentioned that there's a time and a place uh, for both. Could the case be made for one over the other in different situations? Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's a good way to put it. Um, it. And some of it depends upon circumstance. Some of it depends on the pastor, uh, or not necessarily a pastor, a layperson as well, who is perhaps leading a public prayer, or um, leading family prayers, or praying on his or her own. You know, so there it it depends on a lot of things. But the collects of the church, it's it's very very helpful to have them and to be familiar with them. Um, and to use them, these scripted prayers, they provide an outline um, for even when you do pray in a more spontaneous way. We call it ex corde, from the heart. Um, There are certainly times and places where, uh, even in pastoral care, where you're not praying the collects, you're not praying a written uh, prayer, you're praying from the heart, you're dealing with a particular parishioner or particular person in a specific time and place. And so um, we, we, do, we do well to learn how to do that in a way that we don't sound like we're yammering on and on and um, praying to the great God we just want to. Um, so the, the collects provide a, a, a framework and a structure for that. And actually, I think praying the collects and becoming familiar with written prayers like that, it actually makes you better at praying in an ex corde way uh, by providing that kind of structure. So for example, um, for a new pastor, um, he may be much more comfortable, like if he's making a hospital call the day after he's been ordained, right? It's, it's, right. it's daunting, it's, it's intimidating, you're nervous. So, okay, bring your pastoral care companion and pray the collects right out of it. You're not going to do, uh, you're not going to do better than, than because the, there are collects for when people are sick or when someone is depressed or when a person has lost a loved one. You can go to that section of the book and you can pray those collects. And I think it's good for especially a younger pastor to rely and lean on those collects until he becomes until he internalizes them and internalizes the structure of the prayer. Um, another, another way to, that can be helpful, especially if you're not used to praying ex corde, if you're still kind of learning the ropes and getting used to it, um, maybe pray a collect right out of the book and then 
add an ex corde prayer on top of that, you know, keeping in mind the theme that's been laid out in the in the collect. Um, certainly they can go hand in hand. I do that, you know, I've been in the ministry now 16 years, and when I'm visiting parishioners, I do that quite often. I will, you know, pray a collect, and, and I will also pray an ex corde prayer. Or, you know, when I pray an ex corde prayer, it's informed by the collects. It has that structure to it. So it never just becomes this yammering on and on to where, you know, someone is saying, oh, my gosh, will the pastor ever, you know, get to the point or, uh, you know, I want to take communion and I'm, I'm hurting here. I don't need to have the pastor droning on for 10 minutes about the weather. So um, I, I think that, the, you know, the collects are, they, they go hand in hand. It's not an either or, it's a both and, and it's even more than a both and. I think it's more of a, a, a synergism between the two. If you, if you pray the collects and the historic um, prayers of the church, you will be better at praying ex corde spontaneous prayers. They, they feed off of each other. So, um, you know, in time, if you've prayed the collects enough, ex corde prayer becomes really kind of natural. One of the biggest fears uh, that people have or the things that make them most uncomfortable is public speaking. So I remember um, when I was a little kid, we would go to grandma's on uh, Thanksgiving. And of course, none of the grownups wanted to pray. So they make the kid do it, you know, make one of the kids sure. do it. And so the kids are all looking at their shoes, you know, hoping that they don't get called on because it's it's hard if you don't know how to do it. And it's intimidating and all the grownups are there. And and it can be the same for lay people and pastors even, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you're someone says, hey, pastor, uh, would you would you lead us in prayer? And, you know, if you're not used to that, it can be kind of intimidating. But the colics of the church train you. They train your mind and spirit for um, giving a truly appropriate and heartfelt prayer um, that is spontaneous, but it's informed by um, by the structure of, of traditional prayer and by the scripture. Uh, because a lot of our prayers really do lift lines from the Bible. And you can't, again, you can't do better than the Word of God when it comes to prayer. So you're suggesting, perhaps, that when we hear these colics on Sunday, or whenever we attend, uh, participate in the divine service, that we make those part of our daily prayer life. We don't just leave those at church and and say, well, only, you know, those are the prayers that the pastor speaks. Those aren't for me. You're suggesting perhaps that we make those part of our, the prayer life that we participate in every day. Yeah, I think it's a great idea because again, that's a, it's a collect, it's collecting everybody's prayer. It isn't the pastor's prayer. The pastor is simply leading it on behalf of everybody. So, um, you know, one thing that could we could do, especially with children, it's, it, to help reinforce the prayer when you hear it so it doesn't just, you know, fall on deaf ears. Like, you know, it's easy to... Um, to think about something else, like you're, you're, you're attending the liturgy and, um, and, and, you know, you're, it's, you've done the confession and absolution and you've done the, the Kyrie and the Gloria. And now there's this, the, the, the pastor uh, is going to pray the colic. It's easy to tune out and th think of something else, but we want to resist that. We want to pray 
the words that the pastor is leading us. And so I think having the collect of the week have that prayer prayed, um, you know, in your family or as an individual. And, and then I think it will, when you, when you gather together as a community, as a parish, as a congregation, and, 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 you, and you pray it together, it's something you've already kind of meditated upon and thought about. I think that's a, that's a great suggestion. These prayers that have been handed down generation upon generation, when we pray those, one of the things that we have to keep in mind is that we are praying the same prayers that saints before us have prayed year upon year. And it's kind of a neat thing to think about in terms of the church militant and knowing especially that the saints who have prayed these you know generations back are now in the church triumphant and and we're part of that you know i, I perhaps i'm not expressing that very well but but there's something there's something comforting and encouraging about the repetition and standardized nature of these colics that we get to pray. No, I think you're absolutely right. It's, um, again, if, if you think about there's certain times of year where we sing certain hymns, right? You have the, of course, the great Christmas hymn, hymnody, Advent hymnody, Easter hymnody, even like on Transfiguration, there are certain hymns that, um, that, are, that we are used to singing at that time. And hymns really are prayers. Right. And so the collect is, you know, obviously a shorter prayer that collects and gathers the themes of the readings for that particular divine service. And, and yes, there's a there's a pattern to them. And there is comfort in having that sameness. Um, if 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 every week were different all the time uh, it, it, and, and every every liturgy was different all the time and the words are changing all the time, it's disorienting. So number one, the structure of the collect, we always pray in the collect, we invoke one of the one of the persons of the Trinity, usually the Father, but not always the Father. And then there's, you know, some sort of an acknowledgement of the of what God has given us. And then there's a request. I mean, typically this is the structure. There's a request for something. And it's usually related to the readings. It's related to the church year. If it's Lent, it's going to sound very different than if it's Easter, but it reflects the tone and the and the themes of of how God's word is working upon us in a given part time of the church year, and then the, the conclusion again is trinitarian, um, and so these 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 collects really are treasures to us, just like our hymns are, and and you're right, you, you will hear them if you you know. Um, Maybe, maybe not. If you if you become a Lutheran, maybe you've gone through them one year, and then your second year, they're not going to sound familiar. But by the fifth or tenth year, you're going to say, "Yeah, I've heard that before." And again, it's not just that you have heard it before; it's been prayed before for centuries. Um, Doctor Luther and his congregation probably prayed these exact same prayers. Um, you know, uh, it, it, going all the way back, uh, even you know, maybe even Saint Augustine prayed these very same prayers. And, and the people in the people in the congregation whose lives have been um, who've, who've suffered, who have endured wars and hardship and plagues and people who have 
uh, who have experienced the joys of becoming parents and grandparents and and all of those things that unite us in, in human life and in our Christian lives, those prayers have been, those same prayers have been prayed by those who've come before us. And that really is, there is something greatly comforting about that, especially when we live in a day and age of where everything is changing and, you know, uh, children, they can't even rely on their parents to stay married. Their parents get divorced and remarried and then they get step siblings. And then there, and then some kids don't get to even have the same house there. You know, they're, they're going from one house to the next because their parents share custody and all of that. And then you have, guess what? The history books are changing. Uh, this person that was good in 2019 is now evil in 2020. And, and, you know, especially young people are subjected to this sort of radical change all the time. And it's very disorienting. And I think that uh, seeing the church as a rock that, that stands firm, um, that, that Christ never changes. Uh, he's the same yesterday, today and forever. And the church makes that same confession. And there's something reliable uh, and firm that we can grasp hold of. And the colics are part of that venerable tradition that doesn't change, that is something that we hold on to. There are a lot of resources out there for families looking to establish a a robust prayer life in their homes. To what resources would you point them and why? Boy, we have, we really have a lot. We really do. Our tradition is so rich and our uh, modern life as LCMS Lutherans, we have so many, um, so many resources at hand that we can turn to. But first, the, before I even mention any of those, I want to say that the most important thing, like for um, an individual or for a family, the most important thing is commitment. So resolve to, to pray and make it a routine and, and stick to it. So having said that, don't overdo it. Like, especially if you have children in the house. So in other words, don't, don't go from not praying at all to saying, okay, guys, starting tomorrow, we are going to be a Benedictine community and we're going to say seven hours of prayer. You know, we're going to say the seven prayer offices, you know, you know what I mean? Take it easy. Um, but the important part is to do it. I mean, it would be better to just, to just, you know, pray, um, uh, one, we just wake up in the morning and say, thank you for giving me life, dear Lord. And, and to do that every day, that's better than not, than, than, than praying matins, uh, once every three months. You know what I mean? Right. So, right. Absolutely. um, so, so make it doable. Uh, I would, as a nuts and bolts practice for a family that maybe doesn't have a prayer life and you want to, and you, you know, maybe you have children and you want to establish, um, a, pr- a routine of prayer, a habitus, as you say, it's an important word, a habitus. Um, just start with a table prayer. Just just commit to say, okay, before we eat, we are going to say the table prayer, even if we have to read it at first. With, within a week or two, you won't have to read it. it it'll, be, um, it'll be memorized. Everyone will just know it. You don't have to like okay, kids, memorize this. You won't have to do that. You just pray it at the table and everybody will know it. And so I would just start there. Just just pray the table prayer before you eat. And then maybe after a while, then add Luther's morning and evening prayer, like at bedtime and when, the, when everybody wakes up. Um, just add that. Um, and, you know, it's, I, I read somewhere that for something to become a habit, 
it, it, it takes like 21 repetitions of something. So after 21 times where if you've prayed the table prayer uh, before your meal, it will become the routine. That's just what we do. And, you know, if, if you forget, then you forget, then you, then you, um, Pray for forgiveness and you move on. But but the important part is to have a commitment and it has to be doable. So having said that, I think one of the greatest resources we have is our hymnal. Um, if you if you look at page 294 in LSB, there's this little section of daily prayer orders. They're brief orders of prayer, kind of intended for families or individuals. These are much simpler than like Matins and Vespers and Compline. These are just like one page little prayer offices. Um, and again, it's the point, the important thing is a commitment. So if your family, if it's more convenient to pray in the morning for your family, then use the morning one and do, do it once a day. And it, it doesn't take very long at all. And, but the important thing is to do it. Um, CPH even has laminated cards for these orders of um, daily prayer. So those are great resources to have too. But just get to the point where you can do that once a day and do it every day to where it becomes a habitus. Um, in the hymnal also, there's another great resource, um, page 305 and following. There is a section called Prayers, Intercessions, and Thanksgivings. And again, these are um, prayers regarding various um, events in life or various circumstances. You know, um, you just found out that someone in the family has died. And so, or, or you know, we've, we've, uh, we've gone through a, 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 a bad weather event, but nothing bad happened to us and we want to give thanks to God or something like that. You know, you can turn to those pages and you can actually read those prayers so that you don't have to do uh, a spontaneous prayer. Uh, but that's another great resource. Oh, and while I'm talking about the hymnal, I got to I gotta put a plug in for the pocket hymnal. Um, I don't know if you have one of these, Jocelyn. I don't. Do you have the, I don't. Oh, you must get it. It's, um, it's, the, it's the LSB. It's an abbreviated LSB, but the, it's so tiny, it'll fit in your pocket or in a purse. It's, it's, it's a little itty bitty hymnal. And what it is, it's all the hymns. It's, for, it's all the Psalms. Even our hymnal doesn't have all the psalms, but this has all 150 psalms pointed if you want to chant them with the, with the Gloria at the end. It's got, um, it doesn't have the divine services in it, but it's got the small catechism. It's got those daily orders of prayer, um, and it has all of the hymns and without the musical notation. So that's how it can be so small. But, I mean, you can carry this around in your pocket. So you could actually pray the um, the daily prayer offices from the hymnal with the psalms, with all the psalms contained in, in it, and you have all the hymns um, in, in the hymnal. Plus, you got the small catechism. I mean, this is a fantastic little resource, um, and it's it's got kind of a leatherette cover and a ribbon and and gilded pages. It's it's aesthetically pleasing and it's practical and it's it's really. Um, you know, toting around a hymnal everywhere is is it's it's kind of big, but this thing it really does. It fits in your back pocket, so um, I can't um, recommend that high enough. That's great. Um, and you know, other resources uh, for again, the point is is to have a daily prayer of some sort, even if it's very brief. Um, portals of prayer. Um, it's uh, they're very commonly in our church. You can usually pick one up on the way out. They cover about three months. 
and it has a daily, you know, every single day, you just turn to that page. It makes it easy. In the front of the portals of prayer, there's this little, very simple liturgical service that a family of um, parents can lead it, or you can pray it on your own. It includes the invocation and the sign of the cross and a psalm and a Bible reading. And, uh, and there's a little meditation for each day and, uh, and then a, a sort of a benediction at the end. It's a very simplified um, traditional prayer office, and it includes a, a meditation on one of the scripture readings. Those are, um, you know, again, it's, it's not, it's not a, a sophisticated, complicated thing, but the point is, is that it's, you can do it every day. Um, we already talked about the small catechism uh, as, as, a, uh, as a prayer, as a prayer book. Um, I would add to that, Dr. Luther wrote this piece um, in response to his barber wanted to know some advice about praying. So Luther wrote this tract, uh, I can't remember the year, 1535 maybe. He wrote this, it's called A Simple Way to Pray, and it's for Master Peter the Barber. So, of course, you, can, you just have to Google this and you'll find it. And what it is, is instructions on how to take the catechism or, or specifically, you know, the, the Lord's Prayer, the Creed, um, and, and, and to use those um, as, as, a way to, uh, as a way to pray, and the Ten Commandments. And, and he goes through giving examples of how to, like how to pray the Ten Commandments, how to pray the Lord's Prayer and then reflect on the petitions. Um, how to pray the creed and use it as a devotional uh, kind of prayer. It's it's a brilliant little tract, and you can find it anywhere. So that's uh, that's another uh, bit of advice for um, for for prayer within our Lutheran tradition. Um, I do want to mention the Treasury of Daily Prayer. I think it's it's a, it's the best resource that I th- I think we have have had in a long long time. Um, it's uh, it it's it's what it is, it's a, a Lutheran breviary. A breviary is a daily prayer book that includes all the scripture readings, the Psalms, and other prayers. It's all laid out for you day by day. So you don't have to, you know, you don't have to have your hymnal, your Bible, and your, you know, and then a book of meditations and then juggle through them. It's all in one volume. And uh, this is, and, and the treasure daily prayer is wonderful. I highly recommend it. There's a, a big, uh, the big standard one. It's very large, a little unwieldy. Um, but, you, you know, if you have a, a place where you normally pray, if you have a pre or a table that you sit at, you can leave it there. But what I use is actually the smaller version. It's got like a leatherette cover and, and, and I have my ribbons in there. And, um, and it, it includes all of the various um office prayer offices from the hymnal so it's flexible you can use it to just pray vespers if you want or you can use it to pray matins and vespers or you can you can use just the the daily prayers for families whatever you want to use it's it's very flexible and so by using that you have the fullness of all of the traditional prayer offices um, with uh, scripture readings with psalms the psalms are all pointed you can chant them if you want it's got devotional readings like really, really solid um, uh, meditations from the church fathers and from various theologians throughout history and uh, the Lutheran fathers, part, some of parts of our Book of Concord. And there's a reading for every single day, um, and as well as a collect, a historical collect to pray. And you have all, so you have all the structure and you have all of the filling that hangs on the structure 
in one place. And the, the, the uh, treasury of daily prayer can become sort of a companion for you as you go through your Christian life. It's a wonderful resource. Um, there is one more that I want to mention. The Brotherhood Prayer Book actually was put together by a couple of um, seminary classmates of mine who ran across a German Lutheran breviary. Uh, this was years and years before the treasury came out the treasury of daily prayer. Um, so these classmates of mine, great, uh, brilliant guys and, and, and faithful pastors, they, they, uh, they, they said, let's, let's like translate this German one into English and, and adopt it for use uh, for English speaking people. And that's what they did. And the, one of the beautiful things about the brotherhood prayer book is it makes use of Gregorian chant. So uh, occasionally I know they have retreats uh, they have in the past where they get a group of people together and you get the treasury daily prayer and they teach you how to read Gregorian chant notation and how to, and how to chant the, uh, the, the, the hymns, the prayers, the Psalms in Gregorian chant. And it's really not as difficult as it looks. And it's really quite beautiful. And that, you know, talk about having a connection to our ancestors. Uh, so that's another, that's just another resource. And, you know, some people prefer the uh, Brotherhood Prayer Book to the Treasury Daily Prayer and vice versa. So there's no one right answer to, okay, what should I, how should I have a, a good, robust prayer life? There, there are many answers to that question, and depending upon, you know, how much time you have, depending upon the ages of your children, if you have children, depending upon, um, uh, you know, uh, various other factors, which, which resource you want to use. But there are many, many out there. And um, I would encourage people to uh, to experiment and, and see what um, what works best in their life, their lifestyle and, and, and all of that. All in all, given all of the resources that we have available to us, I hear you saying that the number one thing regardless of which of the wonderful resources you utilize is begin. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it. I, I think uh, I'm, I'm reminded of uh, Dr. Esselin had a, uh, uh, an article where he, he, he keeps just saying that begin, you know, if you want to have any kind of reform in your life, if you want to, um, you know, commit to any sort of, um, any sort of Christian discipline, you know, just begin um, to, to let's let's steal Nike's uh, tagline, right? Just let's do just it. do it. Yeah, <laughs> right. and 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 like I said, I think it's very very important to start slow and start small um, because one of the biggest you know problems I think people have they they're, they're very ambitious. They want they get you know especially a uh, I, I think of the uh, parable of the sower. You know the the seed that doesn't that's not embedded deep and it grows quickly, but then uh, when the sun comes out, it burns the plant up because there's not enough root. I think it's important to establish a habitus, and um, and so don't bite off more than you can chew. Don't make your prayer life onerous to where it's a it's a it's something you you know you 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 don't look forward to. <laughs> like oh my gosh, I've planned out this hour long prayer service and now I got to do it and I'm tired. Don't do that. It should be a joy. So uh, begin small. Like I said, even even just beginning with a commitment to pray the table prayer. 
Um, remember, it's like some 21 uh, repetitions of something and it becomes a habit. And uh, it becomes a habitus, a way of life. And that's really what prayer is. It's not, it's not something that you have to force yourself to do. It is something in the Christian life. It's something that we do as Christians. But in anything in this, in this life, especially in the fallen world, you do have to commit. You do have to force yourself to do it. It's like, uh, you know, going to the gym or whatever. Um, and, and what happens is, even if you're maybe not looking forward to something, the fact that you do it, and then afterwards you feel very good about doing it. Um, prayer is, again, this is how we communicate with God. And, and if you're incorporating the Word of God in your prayer life, then He is speaking back to you, and there's nothing more, nothing more wonderful than that. So again, um, do the table prayer, add the morning and evening prayer, add the Lord's Prayer. Um, and if, you're, if, you're, if you have a family, you know, consider the ages of everybody, the children, um, and, you know, start off small, but, but be committed about it, make it part of your life. And, and in time, even very, very young children can work up to praying the, like, matins and vespers and, you know, the fullness of the, of, of the church's life of prayer. You can't do it all at once, but they really, they really can do it. And, and especially the children's natural ability to memorize, um, they, they love it. And then um, don't uh, neglect the hymns. Um, the Treasury of Daily Prayer includes a hymn verse for each day. And if you have your pocket hymnal or if you have your hymnal, you can um, actually sing the hymn. You can sing it by yourself. You can sing it as a family. If you're singing voice, if, you don't, if you're tone deaf, you know what? Speak it. It's poetry. It's beautiful, beautiful language. It's prayerful language. It's scriptural language. So don't neglect our hymns. They truly are a treasure of prayer um, for us. And, and, and remember, prayer is communication. So it's a two-way street. We pray to God, but we pray what he first gives us in Scripture. So if you want to have a good prayer life, you, it really has to be driven by the Scriptures. So this is probably the topic for another day, but you really want to have a, a, a daily contact with the Word of God. So one, one, I'm a big advocate of the one-year Bible. The one-year Bible is a, a, a way that you can read the scriptures um, in a year, the whole Bible in one year, uh, following a plan that provides an Old Testament, a New Testament, a psalm, and a uh, proverb for the day. And that's one really great way to get the sweep of the scriptures and allow God to speak to you so that you can speak back to him and respond in prayer. Um, you can, you know, even the portals of prayer, if you're doing portals of prayer, there's a daily reading in there. If you're doing the treasury of daily prayer, uh, it incorporates the lectionary, the daily lectionary right out of the hymnal. So it's important that you, as you pray, that it should be informed by the scripture, because what happens is the Holy Spirit will use the word of God to guide you in your own prayers and it becomes a conversation. It becomes a dialogue um, rather than you just sort of screaming into the sky. You know what I mean? Or, or sitting in the lotus position waiting for some kind of Zen enlightenment. I mean, that's not how God works. He works through his word. So we can actually pray the scriptures and we can hear God speak to us in scripture and then we can respond by our own ex corde prayers, by collects, by 
um, by the traditional offices of the church. But again, the whole thing is about communion. It is about um, communication with the Lord, and and by uh, by doing that, you, you know, you you enrich your Christian life. And then when you go to the weekly divine service, it's the pinnacle of your prayer life. It's not just the only exposure you have uh, to prayer and the Word of God, but but rather it's part and parcel of a whole weekly cycle of of prayer. And it's 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 uh, it is such a blessing. There's there's it's intangible to kind of explain. Um, you know, what, what these blessings and benefits are, but, um, but I would encourage families just to do it and, and you will see the blessings in, in your own family life and in your own, uh, spiritual life, um, by, by doing so. Pastor Bean serves as chaplain at Wittenberg Academy. Pastor Bean, thank you for joining us today on the Wittenberg Hour. Well, thank you, Jocelyn. As always, it's a great pleasure. Please keep up the great work. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining us today for the Wittenberg Hour. Be sure to subscribe to the Wittenberg Hour so as to not miss an episode. If you would like to learn more about Wittenberg Academy, please visit our website at wittenbergacademy.org. You can like and follow Wittenberg Academy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Join us again next time on the Wittenberg Hour.